Welcome to the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our Saturday night service on February 27th. The title of this talk is The Discipline of Stillness. And this comes in our series, Life Connected, that we're going through this year. And we're specifically focusing these first few months on the ways that we connect with God, specifically spiritual disciplines. We were also in a bit of a faith experiment in the weeks leading up to Easter called 40 Days of Faith. We're making resources available for that Monday through Friday, updated every day on the website, uh, reflections on scripture that you can look at in your own spiritual walk. And we also encourage people to find maybe two or three others that they can get together weekly with. We're calling these three as enough groups where you can kind of do Christianity together and discuss kind of what God's doing as you seek the Lord in these days leading up to Easter. So if uh, you haven't checked that out, you can listen to the podcast from last week and it'll explain the basics of of 40 Days of Faith. So check that out. Uh, We're going to go ahead and go to the message. Hope you enjoy it and thanks for listening. You know, there's there's something cool about little kids. I mean, they can be annoying sometimes and stuff like that. Just kidding, little kids. Uh, no, my my uh, my son Ezra, he's he's six years old now, but uh, it, it's really cool the last few years because everything he experiences is the best experience ever. I mean, it's it's the first time, and he, you know, most of us have kind of. We rank things like, you know, I like this really good here, this not so much. We kind of rank things on a scale of, of, of movies. You know, we'll do five stars, four stars, three stars, thumbs up, thumbs up. But, but Ezra, it's either on his best list or he just doesn't like it. And uh, I, I love asking him questions like, Ezra, which do you like better, Superman or Luke Skywalker? And what's he say? Both of them. I say, Chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream both of them um you like riding your bike or swimming both of them the beetles or the stones huh (laughs) but for ezra you know there's something cool with with kids they they just uh they they soak up the moment they don't live with this this fear and trepidation about the, the tomorrow ezra doesn't lose sleep over assignments at school the next day. We, we kind of wish he would take it a little bit more seriously sometimes, but, uh, you know, he doesn't live under the tyranny of the urgent. That, that's kind of a phrase that describes a lot of us, huh? He just lives in the moment. And he sucks it up. Like last night we had some friends over. They had a two, you know, a kid that was not even two years old. And I didn't know how he's going to work with a two-year-old. You know, he was like, I don't want a baby coming in my room and everything. And then uh, the kid gets over there and within five minutes, they're just running in circles. And that, they didn't stop for three hours. They just immediately engaged in relationship and, and, and just had fun. And uh, I think that's the way we all start off in this world. That's the way we all kind of start off. We have this, this ability to, to just be present, to be in the moment, to enjoy life. Everything that happens to us, if we like it, is on our best list. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think that over time, we kind of lose that. We, we learn how to, 
be analytical and judgmental and cynical. And, and, and that, that thing inside of us, that, that childlike quality kind of diminishes. And, and, and we just kind of, you know, things happen and we kind of, you know, get this nasty attitude with things. You know, there's very few things that we like and, and, and we, we're, we're very easy uh, to criticize and, and, and quick to judge things. And I, I think part of this is because of the, the busyness in our life part of this because we just you know you, you just go through a lot of stuff we got this uh we got so many demands on us we got this attitude nowadays you've seen the the or heard the slogan been there done that got the t-shirt you know as we grow older it's like it's not a matter of going to the grand canyon to experience the grand canyon it's go to the grand canyon so you can check it off your list like i was there i got the postcard <laughs> well did you enjoy it did you experience it well i don't know i was there i have a picture but we, we kind of lose this childlike quality. Jesus said, if we're going to get into the kingdom of God, that we've got to come as little children. And we've been talking about this kind of childlike relationship with our Father in heaven the last few weeks. We talked how, how Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, he wants us to approach him as, as, our, as our dad, our papa, our father. Again, not a formal title, uh, but, but as, as a... As a a sign of, of connection, of family, uh, of, of affection. And, and Jesus, last week we looked at the words where he said, ask, keep on asking, seek, keep on seeking, and, 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 and knock, and keep on knocking. And so tonight, I kind of gave this the, the t- title of the discipline of stillness. And we, we, we've certainly, for those of y'all that are new here, we've, this is kind of a season we're going through called Life Connected, where we're breaking up each quarter of this year into a different kind of connection. So we've been talking a lot about how we connect to God, different things. And so we've been talking about spiritual disciplines. But last week, I talked about spiritual disciplines in the sense of, of kind of, and we've kind of mentioned this a few times, the active spiritual disciplines. And I think for guys, we get those. You know, it's like, get her done. Tell me what to do uh, when it comes to Jesus, and, and I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, so a message last week where we talk about prayer is asking, seeking, knocking. We can get that as guys pretty easily. But, you know, that's only half the picture of discipline. You know, there are spiritual disciplines like prayer, like giving, like serving, and those are, those are active but there's also a whole set of spiritual disciplines which have to do with stillness, with getting quiet, with resting. And I don't know about y'all, but those, those seem like they're the hardest ones to come by. Man, even today, I'm thinking, I don't, I don't even need to be doing this message today. I'm like running like a chicken with my head cut off. Uh, but uh, I find that, that there's kind of two ways that a lot of people tend to go in Christianity when it comes to spirituality. And the first is, is kind of the, the, the path of the charismatic. We, uh, very expressive. Uh, uh, you know, uh, there's a lady down at the Kenner Vineyard on Saturday nights. And, yeah, y'all have heard her before. If you, <laughs> and, and I got to tell you, when you're leading worship there, sometimes you get a bunch of people in there on a Saturday, and they're just tired. They're, you know, they don't, I don't know if they want to be there or not, but they're there, and they're just, you know, and we, we'll start, you know, the band's up there, and we're giving it all we got. And, and you know, you see people just standing there holding their coffee cup. And, uh, but this one lady, she's like, woo! And it doesn't take, it doesn't, you, you only have to get about halfway through the first song, 
and, and she'll be there. And, and so we have a running joke when you lead worship there. If you don't get a woo out of her, you're, <laughs> you're, not, you're really bad, you know. Uh, but I find that, that some, some personalities, some people are more, uh, more exuberant. It's like uh, peop, some people, when it comes to worship, man, they, just the, the second a, a song starts, man, they can just get into it, throw all distractions behind, and they're, they're in the zone. And uh, other people, on the other hand, some, some people are more attracted to the kind of the com- contemplative side of things. Uh, things are, are a little bit more quiet, uh, reflective, meditative, and, uh, and, and we tend to look at these as kind of opposite and opposing things. But I, I think it, it's really kind of two sides of the spirituality that, that God wants us all to have, that, that it's action, but it's also stillness. It, it's active life. It's serving. It's... It, it's, you know, connecting with the community. It's, it's praising God with, with passion. But then also on the other side, it's, it's learning how to be quiet, to be still, to reflect on God, to listen to his voice. And I, I, I think I wrote something down on, yeah, well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, you know, I, I, I remember hearing a, a talk with this guy, uh, Richard Rohr, who's a Franciscan monk, and uh, he's written a lot on c- contemplative prayer, but he... He went to uh, this place, Gethsemane, not uh, the Garden of Gethsemane in Jerusalem, but uh, it's a, what do you call it, a monastery in Kentucky where Thomas Merton, a uh, famous monk, had written all kinds of books. And, and so Richard War was excited to go there, this, where this, you know, a lot of just amazing writings on the contemplative life had come out. So he goes there, and, and he hangs around all these monks for a few days, and finally one day he has to confront them all. He said, you guys aren't contemplatives. You're just introverts. You know, you guys, there's, you're just here. You're just kind of hiding away from the world because you don't deal good with people. He said, this has nothing to do with a spiritual pursuit for you. You're, you're just here because you don't like people. You don't like the mess of relationships. And, uh, and I find that there's that kind of temptation. If, if you're more introverted, if you don't do good with people, contemplative thing, man, that's the way to go. <laughs> If you're an extrovert, you don't mind being up in front of people and, and the life of the party, man, the charismatic stuff works for you. But I, I think there's something that we can learn from both of those. You know, I think I naturally tend towards a little bit more of the extrovert side, but I've found over the years, uh, you know, learning some of these more contemplative disciplines have really helped. Uh, you know, I've learned a whole lot of stuff that's really added to my faith. But I, I think a lot of these folks over here could definitely learn from that side. So it's kind of a both-and thing. Because uh, I put this in your notes, I think, uh, action without stillness becomes little more than empty and lifeless ritual and will lead to burnout. You ever been there before? You ever been really active in church uh, and, 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 and it's, you're just going for it over and over again and you just get burned out? It, it, it started out, your heart was in it, but, but after a while you just get burned out and you're like oh man i I just don't care if i ever show up at church again in my life you know it's (laughs) uh, well action without stillness will get us there but on the other side stillness without action ceases to connect with the world see if we just hide away from the world it's just me and jesus and i'm just gonna be quiet over here i ain't gonna hurt anybody i'm just gonna pray and read my bible by myself well you know that's kind of what jesus would call keeping the salt in the shaker you know (laughs) The salt was meant to get out there amongst people. And so it's a both and thing. There, there's a guy, um, one of my favorite authors on the spiritual life, uh, Henry Nowen. He wrote 
the paradox of prayer is that it asks for a serious effort while it can only be received as a gift. We cannot plan, organize, or manipulate God, but without a careful discipline, we cannot receive him either. You know, paradox of prayer. It takes action. It takes action to prayer, but really, this, this receiving a prayerful life, it it's, it's really has to do with kind of getting in a posture of not being active, which kind of messes with our head a little bit. I want us to read tonight out of Psalm uh, Psalm 46. My dyslexia keeps kicking in tonight. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth, and he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You know, there's several lines in Psalm 46 that that remind me of the evening news right now. You see imagery in here of, of, of earthquakes, of, of mountains falling into the sea, of nations in an uproar, of wars, and, and, and bad stuff going on. When I'm reading this, I'm thinking, man, that's the last month. You had the earthquake in Haiti. You had the earthquake in Chile. You had the, 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 the tsunami hit bad today. I didn't catch the news. Okay. You know, and you had an earthquake in Japan a couple of days ago. You got all these things. You got these wars happening in Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, threatening that they're going to nuke Israel. And, and there's all these kind of terrifying things it, it, that we live in this world of war and conflict. And, and that's what the author of this psalm is kind of talking about. He's, he's looking at all these horrible things going on. And I think for us, we can see that. And it's a bummer. I get depressed. I, yeah, I feel so, sometimes you just feel like, what can you do with all of it? It just seems overwhelming. But you know, the war is not just out there. The war is here. It's with you. It's with me. It's a war within our families. It's a war on your job. You got people accusing you. You got deadlines. You got bills to pay. And you ain't got enough money in your accounts. It's a war. It's a struggle. And these things, they rise up in our lives to, to, to be bigger than God. And when we add to that, you know, there's, there's the war that we live in on a continual basis, but there's also the stress of the world we live in. And I don't think most of us think much about that. It just kind of seems like a normal place because we've been living in it so long. But to say that our modern world is stressful is a huge understatement. I, I read a, a, a study that came out last year called How the City hurt your brain. And this was not a, these were not Christian people who came out with this. They were just scientists who uh, studied the effects of living in a city. And they said now at history, you know, th- we've, we've hit a point in history where the majority of the people, over 50% of the population 
is now living in cities. And that's the first time in the history of mankind. Up to this point, it's been, most people have been rural areas. And uh, they talked about how just walking down a city street, New York, New Orleans, probably not quite so much in Covington, but uh, especially on a Saturday night, but uh, walking down the, the typical city street in, in, in a big city, it requires so much power in your brain because you're having to figure out where you're going. You're going to have to stay out of traffic. You get, you're, you're trying not to pay attention to this cell phone call and this neon sign over here, and you're trying to navigate your way. And they said the stress of that, it, that it, it, really, it really actually hurts your mind over prolonged periods of time. They actually said uh, in, in this report, they said, related research has demonstrated that uh, increased cognitive load, the, the stuff coming into our brain, like the mental demands of being in a city, makes people more likely to choose chocolate cake instead of fruit salad, or indulge in an unhealthy snack. You can just say, the city made me do it, babe. Um, <laughs> this is the one-two punch of city life. It subverts our ability to resist temptation, even as it surrounds us with it. From fast food outlets to fancy clothing store, the end result is too many calories and too much credit card debt. We, we live in a world right now, you know, they were talking about in this, in this study how like, like a, a city like New York, it, it, it makes you vulnerable because your mind is all stressed out trying to, you're, you're in survival mode, and then all of a sudden you hit Times Square, and it's sensory overload, and everything's like, buy this, look like this, do this, and it would make your life, and, and, and we find ourselves in those paralyzed moments of stress where we just, you know, you find yourself with things, you, you ever go to Whole Foods Market? And you're just planning to spend 20 bucks, and you walk out, and you spent like 200. <laughs> uh, the stress wears on us. So we're in this battle. Our world is, is in battles all around us. We see it, but we're also in a time of, of immense stress. And it's not just in the city. It's, I, I believe it's the assaults that you get just, I mean, uh, just in, in your everyday life. And how do we deal this? How do we deal with the stress around us. Well, we eat more, we drink more, we buy more clothes, we go in debt. <laughs> we become addicted to stimulation. You, you, have you found that it's it's hard to turn things off? You, you, you ever you find it hard these days to actually just get quiet? My wife doesn't. She likes that. But you you find it's ever hard to just sit down and be quiet? I could really freak you guys out tonight. I won't because I want some of you to come back. But uh I guarantee you, if I, if, if I said, let's be quiet for one minute, that one minute would seem like an eternity. Sitting in a room with other people, just quiet? That's like less than 10 seconds. <laughs> Sorry. No, I wasn't holding my breath. Don't get in a breath-holding contest with faith. Should beat you. Uh, but we become addicted to stimulation. We, be, we get to where we're so used to having the TV on, the radio on, the iPod on, the, the computer screen on, our BlackBerry on, your iPhone on. Everything is always on. We don't know, uh, you know, the, the very things in our life that were meant to help us have now become a, come a crutch that keeps us from ever having any moments in our day where we can just be quiet. I mean, I find, man, I got my iPhone, I go to the post office, I'm standing in line, I'm like, all right, I'm going to check my email. I could just be sitting there thinking of 
you know, God, what are you up to in this post office? But I'm not. I'm like, I got to check my email because I'm sure some I'm sure somebody put something interesting on Facebook that uh, I need to check. I need to get that Twitter update. And uh, so even even the the random moments, we've kind of taken the uh, boundaries out of our lives. Thomas Merton once wrote, he said, there's a pervasive form of contemporary violence activism and overwork the rush and pressure of modern life are a form perhaps of the most common form of its innate violence to allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns to surrender to too many demands to commit oneself to too many projects to want to help everyone in everything is to succumb to violence it kills the root of inner wisdom which makes work fruitful You know, we, we find ourselves pulled in so many directions and we want to help and we, we overextend ourselves and we try this thing and that thing and, and, and bit by bit we lose, we lose something on the inside. But God calls us to be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Being still does not come naturally to you, does it? It come natural to me. It takes discipline, especially in these days. I mean, stillness, that's as much of a discipline as trying to pray or fast or serve or anything. That's probably more of a discipline. You know, God actually created, uh, created things where we were supposed to have rest as part of our rhythms. You know, Exodus 23, 10 through 12 says this. This is God speaking to the children of Israel. He said, you shall sow your land for six years and gather its yield. But on the seventh year, you shall let it rest and lie fallow so that the needy of your people may eat. And whatever you leave, whatever they leave, the beast of the field may eat. You're to do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. God, we're, we're quite familiar with the Sabbath. In, in the Ten Commandments, he says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What's it mean to keep something holy? Um, well, for those of you who are married or, or dating, if you, if, you, if you go on a date with your uh, spouse, that's a special night. You're, you're going to treat that special. You're going to set that night apart. That night is for you guys to be together and enjoy your relationship. Well, in the same way, God wanted us to set apart one, one section of our week so that we could, could treat it special. It could be a, a special time for us to get with God, to remember Him. And he wanted that in our rhythm. He wanted that to be every week. Now, I'm not saying we need to get legalistic with that. But God actually created us that way. And then he tells the people of Israel, he said, every, uh, every seven years, let the seventh year, let all your crops, let, let the fields rest. Now, scientists these days have, have realized that, you know, it's a good thing to let your, your land rest once in a while so it can replenish, so, so it, it can get nutrients back in the soil. But God was saying he, he was putting these, these things, these rhythms in creation and in the way we deal with things because we need rest just as much as we need to work. We need to work, right? But we need to rest too. But resting... Giving God some time in our days to just be quiet. I'm not talking about praying, reading the Bible. I'm talking about getting quiet with God daily. Getting quiet one day a week, spending a, a little time with God, you know, uh, some just cutaway time with God. 
That's a hard thing, isn't it? It's a discipline of trust. You know, it's kind of like giving, you know, when you, when you uh, set aside a portion of your income to, to give to God each week or each month. That's a discipline of trust, isn't it? You know, there's, there's a lot of Christians who practice the discipline of tithing. They're giving t- 10% of their income. And, and that takes trust because you're thinking, well, pff, how am I going to live on 90%? I mean, I just got my job. My job, they, cut, they didn't even give me a raise this year. You know, things are tough. How am I going to live at this standard? Well, it's a discipline of trust. It's saying, God, I trust that you're God. I trust that you're God. Same thing with disciplining to give our time to God. We're, we're saying, God, I think that you can do more with my life if I, if I give some time to you than I could do with all seven days, with all hours in my day. It's a discipline of trust. Do you ever feel like if I don't do this, it won't get done? Anybody else? Yeah, you know, if you want something done, you got to do it yourself. And, you know, this whole place is going to fall apart if I'm not here. And we take that kind of the tyranny of the urgent on us. And we we just feel like it's all got to get done. But, you know, disciplining ourselves to be still, to step away, to take our hands off. You know what that's saying? Saying God's in charge. I'm not. Let me tell you something. Control is an illusion. It's an illusion. <laughs> we think we've, we've, we've got it under control. And uh, I was talking uh, w- with a guy the other day about Katrina. And, you know, it's like we all had our nice little plans. Everything was going fine. We had it all worked out, all figured out how we were going to get from here to there. And all of a sudden something comes along one day and it's like, okay, it's a whole completely different world. Resting, being still. Being disciplined to step aside and take our hands off. It's saying, God, you are God. You are large and in charge. You're almighty. My life is in your hands. My business is in your hands. My marriage is in your hands. The best thing that I can do for my job, for my wife, for my kids is to just step away sometimes. Just take my hands off, to just be still. That's hard. That's hard. Especially when you got a whole lot of loose ends, a lot of things that you need to get done. It's hard. It's a discipline of trust. Saying, God, I trust you. Being still, as as the psalmist talks about it here, is not an escape. It's interesting. You look at that at Psalm 46. There's no indication that God's saying in there like, hey, Just uh, worship me and I'm going to take you out of this, you know, all this crazy stuff that's going on in the world. Don't worry about it. Just be with me and I'm going to get you out of here. No, (laughs) he just says, be still. Know that I'm God. I will be exalted. It may look like all the nations are winning right now. It may look like evil is utterly triumphing. But you be still and know that there's a God in heaven who's going to straighten all this stuff out. You be still and know that. It's not an escape. It's not running from evil. It's not running from our problems in our life. I, I think a lot of people think of contemplation kind of like that. They think of stillness and quietness. They think about, it's, I just need to go away and have a retreat. I need to get away for a couple of weeks and then my life will be better. No. You need to learn how to be quiet and be still on that job that you hate. You need to learn how to be quiet, be still in the midst of your marriage problems. You need to be, learn how to be quiet 
and be still when you've got all kinds of, of, of bad situations happening around you. It's not, being still is not ignoring painful situations. It's not escaping. It's seeing God as large and in charge. I just want to close today with a, with a little thought, a couple of questions. What is your biggest battle today? And your, ba- your biggest battle may not even be a, a big battle. It just may be a whole lot of work that got to get done. You, know, you, you may not have some epic kind of thing happening in your life. You may just have four projects that, that are due Monday morning. Uh, what is your battle today? What is the situation that demands everything you have right now? See, I, I think too often we let the situations dictate our lives. We let, they demand everything we have and we just offer them everything we have. But God's saying, don't give that everything you have. Give me some. And let me give you something to take to that. What is the situation that demands everything you have? And the last question is, can you offer this situation to the Lord and trust that he will take care of you. Can you take your hands off? Can you just open up your hands and say, God, man, this thing is demanding everything in my life right now. It is consuming me. It's, it, it's the meditation of my heart day and night. I can't stop thinking about it. If I don't worry about it, who will, God? Nobody else seems to care. Can you offer this situation to the Lord and trust him to take care of you? I just want to close with a time of, I'm going to, I'm going to is it all right to do one more song? I know we've had a lot of music tonight. I um, just want to sing a little song here, and I just want us to reflect on God with these questions. You can sing along if you want. We don't have the words on the screen, so maybe just close your eyes and just get quiet before the Lord tonight and just say, God, these are, these are the issues in my life right now. And I give them to your hands. Um, Let me see how to do this. One of these days we're going to have like all kinds of stuff stepped up. Describe 
Jesus, you're more than a friend. And Jesus, you're more than my heart could ever express. Your love and your grace never failed me. Your merciful touch always heals me. You bring joy to my soul my heart longs to worship you my king and I long to bring you I am overwhelmed And I am lost for words To describe you Jesus, you're more than a friend Jesus, you're more than my heart could ever express. Your love and your grace never fail me. Your merciful touch always heals me. You bring joy to my soul. Father God, we just ask for your grace in this week to come, God. Lord, that we could step away from the tyranny of the urgent, God. Lord, from the distractions all around us, God, from the... Lord, whatever things seem to be tugging at us, even good things, God. Lord, things that are demanding us to be pulled in all these directions. God, help us to learn the discipline of solitude and quietness, God, that we can just step away for few moments now and then, God, just to sit down and be with you, God. Or if it's just a walk outside our office, God, or just sitting down on the couch at the end of a day, God, and turning off Sports Center. Or if it's just having our morning cup of coffee with you, God. Lord, being still and knowing that you are God. Well, give us the grace to do that this week, God. Now, we just, we want to turn from our 
frenetic, chaotic lives, God. We want to find you, God. We want to have what it takes to approach the situations in our life, God, with clarity, with your spirit, Lord. God, we come to you tonight, God, empty, worn out, needing to be filled by you, God. So, Lord, let your grace come upon us, God. Your spirit empower us, Lord. Lord, we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And if y'all check out the website, we're going to have some resources on on, uh, your your homework for the week is going to be online. Uh, go to northshorevineyard.org and uh, we'll have some resources about connecting with God, quietness, stillness. Uh, so check it out. And if you need prayer tonight, uh, we'll have uh, me and Dina up here to pray with you. Uh, and uh, yeah, and, and Paul, our guest uh, prayer from uh, the South Shore. Uh, so if you need some prayer, just come on up and uh, thank you all for coming. See you next week.